0: Calvary Church presents Lead to Serve, a leadership podcast with Ed Taylor. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition. I have with me my assistant, Cassandra Austin, and she and I worked very diligently together uh, and finished at the end of last year. After many years of, of time investment and all sorts of ups and downs and lefts and rights, we worked together to finally get... God's Help for the Troubled Heart, a book published, right? Did we make it before Christmas, Cassandra?
1: Yep. It, um, the actual birth date with the Library of Congress is November 14th,
0: So we got it done on a very special day. That happens to be the birthday of my son, my oldest son. And we put together this book, and we want to talk to you about it. So what we're going to do, it's going to be a special edition. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand the show over to Cassandra and she's going to interview me both sections begin this section of the show first half and second half so Cassandra welcome to the program and it's all yours
1: hey it's great to be here I am so excited and I just want to say if you guys are listening whether it's here in Colorado or you're on the east coast if this is your first time welcome if you're a regular listener welcome Today, we have my pastor, Pastor Ed Taylor, pastor of Calvary Church for 21 years, husband to Marie, father to three children, a grandfather, and author. Pastor Ed has pamphlets that are designed to encourage families and marriage. He also wrote a book called Ordinary Servant that lays out what it looks like to serve others and to serve in your church body. He most recently also had a mini book that we called You Will Make It Through. And that one addressed the pandemic and trials that we faced over the last year. But today, today we're here to talk about your newest book, Ed, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. So I just want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And I thought we could start with this. Can you tell us a bit about where the idea for the book came from?
0: Well, nobody sets out to write a book on grief and suffering, I can tell you that. I don't think... Uh, one of my passions is leadership development and pouring into guys, uh, helping them grow uh, ladies and men in the church to grow in their leadership, to grow in their service. But it was almost eight years ago in May of 2013 that we got a text message that our son had collapsed, and he, um, and we ended up meeting him at the hospital. He was in a coma from which he never awoke. And so in May of 2013, Eddie died, uh, and that plunged our family into deep darkness. Um I, everybody handles grief differently everybody responds to grief differently that's actually normal uh for me uh it and and Marie and my ch- my other children Josh and Katie uh grief hit really hard our home became really dark and even to some degree Cassandra I didn't think I was coming back uh I didn't think pastoring was going to be uh in my future uh I wasn't sure what was going to happen I really didn't have any idea it was like one of the ways I describe it, it was like getting punched in the gut, you know, how you lose your air and you gasp for breathing. Well, we lived like that for a while, but God did give us, give me enough strength to return. Uh, I came back to the pulpit. was It was a, a hard—I didn't look at the date, but it was probably at least a year, year and a half, just challenging years, going through the Word together. God was so gracious. I listened to some of those studies, and they're powerful, and God used them. Uh, sometimes grief was evident, other times it wasn't, but eventually I felt like the Lord was was wanting to release our whole church mm-hmm. from this cloud of grief that I brought back with me, uh, and I developed a series of Bible studies that I think at the time, you might be able to help me, but I think we called it uh, Something Troubled, what what did we call it? Do you remember what I we think called it? it
1: was Help for the Troubled help Heart. Help for the yeah. Troubled
0: Heart, and it was a series of Bible studies that... Were designed to highlight people in the Bible that went through great trial and great hardship, and God got them through. Because that's really the story of anyone in the Scriptures: God's faithfulness. We put those studies together, and then wasn't too long afterwards. I never, I didn't put them together intending to write a book. I just put them together, and and God used it. God released our church; like it, it was a breakthrough. It was a breakthrough series, but it also, I remember now, it was it resonated. Right. with a lot of people, and I know that I relate more to the written word. Like, if you gave me a, a Bible study on MP3 or a transcript, I'd take the transcript. I, I relate better to reading and receiving, and I'm like, you know, this would be a good book. I float the idea by you. It's like, this would be a great book because you have that gift of encouragement. And then we launched off on getting it into all the different layers and all the different things that required... Um, that require it to get a book published and since we self-published it and it really it was bird than grief and it came out of god like taking me out into a new season because i think that's what grief does it takes you from season to season and then finally we didn't plan on having it um, printed and available during at the end or the tail end of covid but right. it became a very appropriate book because it's not just a book on grief so when you ask how was it how did it start it started with my own personal grief, but it's actually not a book about grief in particular.
1: That's true. That's true. So then who would you say needs to read this book?
0: Well, it's titled appropriately, I think, Troubled Hearts. Uh, Whose heart isn't troubled? Whether uh, you have um, Mary and Martha in the scriptures, where Martha's distracted and troubled about many things. She's not in a mode of grief, or she's just got a lot on her mind. She's distracted uh, she she has she has so much going on that there's not a focus on what's before. She's in the presence of Jesus, but whatever's going on in her heart and mind, she's missing. She's missing him. Um, so whether it's uh, anyone really with a troubled heart, like we titled it, uh, and I like how I don't know if it was you or someone added the word gods because that's really it. Like it, it was a great addition to the the idea that whether you're you could be in deep grief right now. You could be in job loss, you could be in isolation, you could be uh, going through a divorce, you could have prodigal kids. Like the feedback all around, you know, in a full circle has been anyone that needs encouragement, it's it's actually not even a heavy book. Like it was heavy in how it got birthed and how it came out of me. But it actually isn't a heavy book. It's super encouraging. It's like it's like the kind of book you need. It's super simple too. Like you 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 may read it and think, "What nuggets could I find uh, that I've never learned before?" And you may end up reading through it and go, "Ah, oh, you know, I've heard that before, but I now I get to hear it differently. I'm in a different stage of my life. I I didn't know that about Hannah's story or uh, all the different pages that you can go through. That anybody that just needs to be encouraged and strengthened or from deep grief to the things that trouble your heart.
1: It's true. And one of the things that I really love about the book is how it touches those deep places of pain in people's lives. And so perhaps there's someone listening that's been told all the bad things that are happening to them in their lives are from the devil, or that mentally you just have to have enough faith to get through what you have going on in your life. And the book opens up by reminding us that God is not finished yet. So what does that mean for the person that's listening and is just heavy-hearted from all that they've been going through?
0: You know, I got an email just this week from someone that was involved in a church, just like you described, with the theology that says it's all your fault, God's punishing you, you don't have enough faith, you don't give enough. And then this particular email had a bunch of, of worse stuff than that. And my response to them is my response to you listening. And is says, get out of that type of teaching. Get away from that church. The reality of the pain and suffering that you and I go through is because of sin. You're right. Sometimes it's our own sin. We bring it upon ourselves. Other times it's because of someone else's sin. But in general, it's because sin has so corrupted our world. And the idea that it's all because you don't have enough faith. I mean, if you look at the, the men and women around all throughout the scriptures, the only faith that they had was with faith that God gave them right. and God developed in them. Uh, and I think, of, I think of the guy that, that his friends dropped him through the roof in front of Jesus. Yes. I mean, it was their faith that brought the sick man in the presence of Jesus. And, and when, when we, as we do open the book and, and be reminded that we're all a work in progress, you know, the, the work that God's doing in our life. Is he's the author and he's also the finisher, so it's going to take time. Yet he's not—he no, he's not finished yet. And so until we meet him face to face, that God is still working in and through our lives, in and through the pain. I think one of the things that'll help us as believers to remember is that we're not the only ones that suffer. Mm -hmm. Believers suffer, unbelievers suffer. We're not the only ones that suffer, uh, except that we suffer differently because. We have hope, and that's an important, you know, right here on page 13, it, the, the subtitle is A Future Hope. We have a future hope, and one verse that'll be repeated over and over again, and it's good. It's not always the best verse to receive when you're in the midst of trials, but it is good to read it, um, because you can just receive it because the person who wrote the book doesn't know, have any idea what you're going through, is Romans 8.28, as God is working all things together for the good. Not all things are good. Don't ever interpret that. It's it, not all things are good, but God is working these things together for his purposes, for his plans, under his providence.
1: That's so true. And as he's working those things out um, in and through us, one of the things that, that I believe is a big point that you touch on in the book is a biblical perspective of suffering. And so what does that mean for, for someone that's going through a season of just really heavy things in their life?
0: And I think without defining that first, but really emphasizing a biblical view to allow ourselves to have our lives defined by God's prescription, by God's observation, not the world, not the latest pop psychology, not whatever is on Dr. Phil or on Oprah or any of the popular shows that are on today. But what does the Bible have to say? And the first thing that the Bible has to say is that everybody suffers. Suffers, suffering is a normal part of life. That doesn't mean we have to like it, or it doesn't really mean that it's, it's enjoyable, but it's the facts. You're not a bad person because you're suffering. And I, I think of the person right now, when I think of this, I, I think of the person right now, Cassandra, that has been suffering for a long time. Mm. You know, This morning we prayed for Steve and Chisa, and we know that Steve has been suffering for a long time, but so has Chisa as his wife, and so have the kids, and, and it's easy to think under this, what's wrong with me, and what did I do wrong, what did I do to deserve this? But suffer, a biblical view of suffering acknowledges that we all suffer, and that ultimately, we're all going to die, every single one of us. We're going to die of our last sickness, of our last disease. The problem that we have is that we even—it's it's a human condition, but— especially so in a a culture that is very prosperous like ours. Um, We just think, man, if I do good, then good's going to come back. And if I do bad, then bad's going to come back. So if bad happens first, then I immediately interpret that, that I did something bad. But if bad comes, we need to not interpret it just by our observation, but we've got to filter everything through God's Word. And remember, we follow a Savior who was perfect. 100 in every way, all he did was love, serve, give, care, heal, sp- uh, speak encouragement. All he did was good, and the reward for his life was massive suffering.
1: That's so true. So, that's such a powerful thought. So, I'm thinking on how we have this biblical perspective for whatever suffering is going on in our lives, in light of what you're saying. How does it look for the crisis that's taking place? You know, maybe you've just lost a job or maybe um, your marriage is in trouble or you're not getting along with your kids. How does this become something that's used as God's tool? In in the book, you talk about Joseph as an example and Hannah and, and draw that out. So what does that look like in the life of, of our listeners that are really just going through it.
0: Well, let, let, let's be real for a second. Nobody likes suffering. Nobody likes to be in the middle of a trial. Uh, I mean, I haven't. if there are anyone, somebody might be raising their hand. No, I, I like them. They're good for right. me. But like, if you were to tell Joseph when he was first thrown in the pit and betrayed by his own brothers that, Joseph, just don't worry about it. Things are going to be great. Just give it 13 years. I, I know you don't like the pit right now. I know you're scared. And and it's actually going to get worse, Joseph. You're going to go from the pit. Then you're going to go be sold as a slave. And then as a slave, you're going to be exalted. And then you're going to be accused of rape. And then, but just it's okay. God's using it all. And and Joseph, I mean, any normal person would go, "Are you just get me out of the pit? Don't explain my life to me. Just get me out of the pit. Like that's my problem. I can't possibly see how this pit could in any way benefit my life. And that's a normal thought You could be in the middle of a trial right now, even listening to Cassandra and I talk and you're like that guy doesn 't know what he's talking about he doesn't understand what i'm going through and and he how could he possibly think it's good i don't i don't you, you would misunderstand I don't think it's good I, I think if I was in the pit uh, i wouldn't want I, I wouldn't want you to give me some some sermon at the edge of the pit, just throw me a rope and save me uh, get me out of here and and In that, in in light of that, I know it's not easy, and I know it's not um, it's it's not fun. I know that if you could turn the clock back a day or two or three, you'd probably change things. Uh, But but we can't. We live we live life we live life linearly, day by day, and some of those days are going to be harder than others. We live in a fallen world, and and one of the things that Joseph teaches us. Is that God does work all things together. As a matter of fact, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 is the Romans 8:28 of the Old Testament, where Joseph looks at his brothers where he could have wiped, he could have gotten revenge. Right. He could have exacted all that pain and anger and bitterness of which we read of none. So he dealt with it along the way. By the time God was setting it up, he could look back and say, you know, what you meant for evil, God has turned around and meant for good. Um, but in the midst of it, you don't see that. You don't actually feel it. So you got to be careful with your feelings, because your feelings, as real as they are, they don't always tell you the truth. And you can, you, you can be in a very difficult thing, and your feelings could say, this is, the, this is it's, you're never going to get out of this. You're, you're ne- it's never going to be over. You'll never get out of this pit. You'll be accused your whole life. It'll be hard. There's no hope. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no purpose. But all that would not be true, because the people that God reserved the, the true stories in the Bible for us were people like you and me. They lived separated by years. They lived separated. know They didn't have the technology we have today They the thousands of years, but, but they, they aren't separated from the human condition. So truly, when you think of Joseph, Joseph endured trials with far less knowledge of God than you and I have today. Right, right. Uh, he didn't know Messiah. He didn't have the Word of God.
1: And that example right there is like lends to one of my favorite phrases that you have in the book. And it's pretty much throughout the book that this suffering is for our good, but for his glory. And it's just such a reminder of God's faithfulness and how like he sees, he sees every detail of our lives and know what's going on. And it's not taking him by surprise. And ultimately he's going to glorify himself. So, if you guys are just joining us, we're chatting with Pastor Ed Taylor on a special edition of Calvary Live about his new book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. So, one of the other statements in the book that perhaps you can unpack a little bit for our listeners is is you say this trials and suffering expose the foundation of your life every time.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that we can live a rather self-deceived life. And I don't, necess- I don't mean necessarily like we mean to do that, or that we uh, think that, you know, we, we just think things are going well until a trial hits, and then, uh, then we're exposed. Then, then everything about our life is, there, there can't be anything hidden, there can't be anything when, when a deep trial, uh, for example, uh, let's make it simple first, before we get any complicated. If you and I were driving to church, you, you and Jason in the back seat, Marie and I in the front seat, we're driving to church together, and we all have open containers of hot liquid in our hands with no lids, and we're we're very careful. Ah, we're trying. We we all we we can't smell or see what each other has, uh, and and then we exchange them. So you get mine, and Marie goes to Jason, and we all exchange them. But we we can't know our noses are plugged. We can't. We don't know what's in them. And as I'm turning a corner, I hit a bump, and that bump then causes us to spill out our cup, and then we find out what's inside of it. Uh, bumps in the road, trials along the way, they, they disrupt us as those cups, and what's inside of us comes out. You know, Because here's what happens, this is so common, where many people blame the trial for their bad behavior. They go, you know what, if it wasn't for this difficulty, I would've never act like this, and I would've never done this, and I would've never said this if it wasn't for the trial. And I believe the Bible teaches the exact opposite. I believe the Bible teaches that it was the trial that revealed what was in you all along. And I use that dumb illustration all the time. It's, you've heard it plenty of times here in teaching that I'm in the garage, I'm building something, which is a lame illustration anyway, because that would never be me. But I'm <laughs> in the garage with a hammer. I strike my thumb and I start cussing like you wouldn't believe. Marie comes out and goes, Ed, what is your problem? Why are you talking like that? And I go, "Well, I, you know, honey, I normally don't talk like this, but uh, you know it's the hammer when I hit my thumb. If I wouldn't have hit my thumb, I would have never cussed. but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, Jesus uses a very similar illustration of this sense of storm's revealing when he tells us about the two men that built their house, one on the rock and one on the sand. And I'm sure... I think of it in the context of all of the, there's so much building going on right now around Colorado, around the church here, that they're all very homogenous type homes. They all look the same, same siding, same structure. Uh, and, And in Colorado, we have this expansive soil where one house could have it and the next door doesn't. Um, similar, I mean, when we built the when we built the church, one of the biggest expenses was to get rid of all this expansive soil on one end of the. Because it, if if it took out a corner of the building, it would take the whole thing out. And and so the when Jesus uses a, uh, an illustration, he says it's when the the same exact storm came and beat on the house. One house stood, one house fell, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until they were hit with the storm that was revealed. Their foundation. And, you know, I think looking back at the genesis of the book, Cassandra, when, when we got the call and we went through the whole time with Eddie in the hospital and such, that um, I think I was doing well. I think God was, we, marriage is great, family's great, just had a grandson. Um, Eddie had just gotten married a year before, and it was really, really good. Uh, and then it wasn't a small trial, it was humongous, it was huge. And it did reveal cracks in my in my life. It revealed areas of my life that needed God's attention. It revealed areas of, Ed, you know, you're still on the potter's wheel. You're still the clay. And God was fat and things were revealed in our marriage. Things were revealed in our hearts. Things were revealed that uh, through the pain and through the darkness that that had Marie and I and our kids not humbled ourselves before God and turned to him. It could have ended disastrous, um, and so I look back and I say, "Wow, there were some cracks, and there were some things God revealed." But I look back and go, "Wow, we really have been." Because sometimes you don't really know, but we're like, you know, we really have been building our house on the rock. Like this is real. This is real. I would have. I would never suggest, nor would I want anyone to face the trial of a loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, um, and on and on that list goes. But that's. Providentially, what God allowed into my life. And, and I'm grateful our house was not built on the sand. We're still standing. We're stronger now than we were. Uh, and and there's the testimony of my son Eddie has been used hundreds, if not thousands, of times to that's encourage, right. strengthen, and help. And it's not gonna stop. It's it's not gonna stop. Obviously, if I could undo everything, I would do undo it, but that's not that's not God's heart for us. He doesn't. We, we don't undo things, we embrace things and we endure things, but we can't undo them.
1: And it's been such an example to many, how you guys, your family, the humility that you guys have just placed yourselves as servants through this and really um, just shared and invited us all into your lives. So I just um, am grateful to how the Lord brought you through.
0: I think too, the, the it's important as you're listening because you might just be tuning in and we're going to come up on a break here pretty soon. So it it may, it may be important for you to realize it's not perfect. So when you, when you observe a family, you know, you observe the results, but I have to say that I I didn't think we'd make it. I was really afraid. Uh, I was really afraid for our marriage. One of the things I read, because it was dark, it was very difficult. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I, I, I had um, experienced a loss of my mom and dad prior to, or my dad prior to that. Uh, and uh, man, I, I don't, uh, I think it was Greg Glory talking about joining a club nobody ever wants to join. I mean, it was, Eddie was a very, very special man in our lives, you know, born to us as teenage parents. Uh, and, you know, we weren't predicted to make it. Uh, we get married, still not predicted to make it. We get born again, still not predicted to make it, and that poor little guy had to live through all of that, all of those uh, tosses and turns. And but we make it. Like God's so faithful. Uh, we are born again. God saves our marriage. Eddie now grows up in a godly home. He has a brother, has a sister. And then you fast forward through all the trials, all the difficulties of church life and pastoring and all that. And then, man, it was like a like a hitting a brick wall. And I was super, super, you know, scared about our marriage. They say that marriages that lose a child—I forget the percentages—but um, they don't make it. And I'm like, oh man, I, that's—I'm I, one of those guys that starts assessing everything. I was, like, oh man, what do you mean? Don't make it? Don't make it? And and so as as we learned, and we had to learn this, as we learned to surrender, as we learned even through mistakes that we made uh, to repent. And humble ourselves. It it's it's the you 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 don't want to run from God, you want to run to God. Or at least I was thinking uh, one of the verses that popped into mind uh, is in Psalm forty six ten. Be still, know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted. And there's sometimes the best decision is just to stay still. So let me just say, guys, if you're tuned in, we're in studio with Cassandra Austin. Uh, she's my assistant here at Calvary, and she and I uh, worked together on putting a book, uh, finishing a book, publishing. There was a lot of people on the team, but Cassandra carried most of the heavy work. Uh, the book is called God's Help for the Troubled Heart. And whether you're listening to this live or you're listening to a podcast or later broadcast on other stations, we just want to invite you into the conversation. Um, we want to remind you that this book is available It's called God's Help for the Troubled Heart. The feedback on it's been amazing. Uh, It's a book that is designed to keep you encouraged. So Cassandra and I are just having a conversation together, um, and we're talking about the ingredients. We're talking about different different aspects and different chapters. But if you're hurting right now and you're struggling and you're looking for a piece of help, this book would be very helpful. You can get it on our website at calvaryco.store calvaryco.store. I think all of it, every part of it, from the cover to the dedication page to the back to the color to the artwork, it just, man, it came out so good. Such details. Above and beyond what we could think or ask. You're tuned in to Calvary Live, and this is the show where we uh, take your calls and your questions. We talk about things that are relevant to your life, and today it's a special edition because we have my assistant, Cassandra Austin, in studio today, and she's talking to me about a book that we just published here called God's Help for the Troubled Heart, and we just spent the first half of the program talking about where it came from, why we wrote it, some of the earlier chapters. Uh, So, If you're just tuning in, I, I think it's important for you to stick around because it doesn't matter whether you're grieving Whether you're fearful, anxious, whether you're full of yourself or pain or hardship, uh, we really mean, you know, the whole essence of this book is to get your eyes off your situation and get it back, get your eyes back on the Lord who's ready to minister to your heart that's troubled. And it could be troubled in a deep way through grief, it could be troubled in a not so deep way like fear or anxiety. Uh, whatever it might be, God's ready to help, and we put this book together. It's a labor of love, really. Uh, Cassandra uh, really carried a lot of the heavy work on this, as uh, we worked together with some other people on the team. And and really, I think it's it's a we book. It's a, you know because what we like to say around here is we is the language of ministry, not I. And nobody ever does anything alone. Ever. Never. Never. It's always a team. It's always a group. So I'm going to hand, as we did in the first uh, half of the program, I'm going to hand the show right over to our new host today, Cassandra Austin. (laughs) Welcome again, Cassandra.
1: Hey, and thank you, Pastor Ed, for letting me be here with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to chat together. Um, It was such a labor of love for this book, but what a privilege, man. And one of the things that I was reflecting on um, during the break right now is just Thinking through, because because I asked you at the top of the hour, so who needs to read this book? And in thinking about it, like, I needed this book, and I didn't realize how much I needed this book. A lot of these um, stories and testimonies came from a time that you shared this from the pulpit, and we put it into the book form. But as they developed along the way, I remember when we turned it over and started to just really pull things together. And I had no clue that in coming and putting all the pieces together that God had my own journey to go through um, during this time where I, I found out I had cancer and, and I had spent many months working on it. And I, re- I can remember going to each chapter and going, Yes, like like this is so good cuz it's ministering to me and I'm crying and 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 the Lord's just doing a work in me and then to actually getting the diagnosis and that was my anchor was was God's word and his faithfulness and I knew because of the things that had been taught in the book that in him in Jesus is is how he would get me through this and so as I leaned in him I um, allowed the book to just minister to my heart and just bring me through my own journey, my own trial. And that kind of stuff is not easy. And you think of all of the mental anguish that people go through when there's a different kind of diagnosis. And one of the things that I found that was really important that, that you brought up is to not make um, a big decision when you're in the middle of grief or suffering or a trial. It's a,
0: that's a huge encouragement. I think that we have a tendency to want to control something when everything around our life is out of control. And because of that, when there's immediate decisions to be made, we can make like huge life... I, I, it's, it's time to move because we think we equate moving with this will take the pain away. Now, moving may or may not take the pain away. I don't know. But until there's a clear indication that God is leading you to move, I would encourage you, don't move. Or, I'm going to quit my job. I'm just going to quit. I can't handle it. I can't take it. Well, there are probably other alternatives. Well, take some days off. Talk to your boss. Don't quit so quickly because there may be other ways you can handle this. Is Usually, if you make a big decision when you're in crisis, you'll regret it um because almost always it's an emotional decision not a spiritual decision or it's an emotional response rather than a time of abiding in Christ knowing no this is exactly cuz you don't hear clearly like you think back to uh, even the your mind and your emotions handling all the cancer what could be what if what about and then you finally get the diagnosis, and then you're like, "Oh no!" And then it, take, it propels you into another area of, "I'm not sure." And your mind, all the capacity of your mind, it, I mean, most people are like this. I'm sure some of you may not be, but like it goes, Jesus would have never told us to worry, not to worry, if we didn't worry. The Bible would never tell us not to, don't be anxious, if we weren't going to be anxious. Like the Psalms wouldn't be there if we weren't upset, if we weren't. Uh, in deep grief, if we didn't cry ourselves. like The human experience is real, and that's why in the beginning, in how we shared in the previous segment, that the idea that it's all your fault, you don't have enough faith. No, you're just a normal human being, and Christians feel that way too. It's When you are born again, you don't lose your emotions. Uh, I remember hearing a pastor once say, you know, men only have one emotion, uh, they lost, or they lost all their emotions when, as You know, nobody loses their emotions. It's not true. Um, We all are emotional beings, some of us more than others. And to not make a big decision is wise. Even the Bible says, you know, in the count, in the multitude of counselors, there's peace. So even not making a big decision, but having some people around that can help. Like if you're married, your spouse, or your pastor, or a good friend that can speak the truth into your life and go, you know, I'm not saying whether that's a good or bad decision. I'm just asking you to wait. Let's let's catch our breath. Let's get to a place. Because you, loo- I was thinking um, when I think of this question. You, when you're when you're hit with trials, you lose your equilibrium. Uh, you lose your balance.
1: Yeah, you become off balance. And the
0: last thing you want to do is is be in a you know you last thing you want to do is walk down the middle of a of a highway you're already there without with losing your balance you know you're trying to save and you're going to walk that straight line but without your balance most likely you're going to get hurt deeply uh, it's going to be challenging and and that that that's not just a discussion too Cassandra I'm just thinking if you're in the midst of trial right now like in the midst of a trial that is overwhelming your emotions I'm just asking you Write down the decisions on a piece of paper, put them in an envelope and seal that until, you're, until you have a little bit more equilibrium, until the cloud passes. It's like it's another illustration I think of is fog, or we've got some, uh, a snowstorm coming in while we're recording this. It, it may air at a different time, but while we're recording this, they're warning a big blizzard coming into Colorado. Well, when it's snowing and it's thick, or if you're in a place with fog or heavy rain, The last thing you want to do in fog, heavy rain, or snow is speed up uh, and let's go faster in our, you know, we're driving. Let's go faster. Um, No, it's slow down. Don't put on, there's certain things you do when you drive in the rain and there's certain things you do when you drive in the snow. As a matter of fact, uh, right before the program today, our producer, Kevin and I were saying the National Weather Service is saying, just don't go out at all. Don't, Don't go out at all. Don't drive at all. And at times, that's the right counsel. Don't do anything at all. Just wait, be still, be quiet, get, go, just become a person. Instead of making a bunch of decisions, just read the Bible, talk to God. You just, even if you're all alone, just seek God, Him first, and pause on any big decisions.
1: I like that perspective of seeking that counsel or um, just that wisdom from others to pour into your life during that that time. And one of the things that, that, that makes me think of is how when we're suffering, maybe you're not the person that's suffering, but maybe you know a family member or a friend or a coworker that's just really going through it. So God's put us in their lives to come alongside of them and share the burdens that they have. And in the book, you talk about... Um, what that looks like, because you give the picture of Paul, and um, he's carrying another's burdens and loads, and you equate it to a backpack. Well,
0: carrying a backpack, uh, we want what's essential in there. We we don't want things on our backs that would be, you know, you're not looking to pack a backpack with every single thing that. That you, that you have in life, but rather you look to have a backpack with just the essentials because it's going to be a heavy burden on your back. We don't normally walk around with the backpacks all the time, but you know there, there are times too when you think of that picture where you know imagine carrying a backpack and you've got the essentials, but then you have people putting rocks in there and rock after rock after rock, and you're carrying a weight and a load that you were never designed to carry. You're carrying a weight and a load that... Well, Jesus said, "Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest." You know, take my yoke upon you, uh, not not other people's yokes. And I think too, when you when you think of the burden that you can be, like we can I can I can help you, or I can hurt you in the midst of your. That's something to really take to heart. Uh, you may not be the one suffering, but you may be the one that's to give help. That that's a very important role that you play in someone's life. You can really, really help them by removing burdens from them, by saying the right thing. Um, One of the places, especially when it comes to grief, if you're looking for help in this area, you can go to my website, edtaylor.org, because after my son passed away, I started writing more, and some of the things I would write would be like, hey, here's four things don't ever say to a grieving person, Um, not only because... Uh, I had some things said to me that weren't helpful to me. They're like putting rocks in my backpack, um, but I also offer an alternative. Mm. So instead of saying this, say this, because it will really help. Like, like I'll give you a quick example. Um, anybody going through great crisis, grief or not, don't ask them, how are you doing? That, that's a very difficult question to ask or answer. What do you mean, how am I doing? What, what do you mean with my son died? I'm, I'm horrible. Why would you, what do you think? Like it's, it's been, well, and then the thought is it's been eight years, you know, you, well, what do you mean? Like, how, how, what am I, how am I doing? I'm doing horrible. You can always answer it that way. Um, You can answer that. You could probably ask me that in 20 years. And if it's related to the death of my son, I'm horrible. I hate it. I wish it never happened. Um, And, and that could take, so that, that, that's a hard question to answer. But, but if you ask the question like this, how are you doing today? It narrows the whole scope of, and I could say, if you ask me today, Ed, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty well today. Um, you didn't take me back eight years. You just asked me today. You, on some days, you could ask me, how, you, how am I doing today? I am go, I'm not doing too good today. But at least you're relieving the burden of me trying to figure out what exactly you want to know, um, because I could always ask it. I could always answer it. Well, I'm horrible. It's like, what do you think? It's, but, but then that's adversarial already. Like, and you don't mean it to be, but I, I'm in a position of trying to have an, uh, or the person in crisis is in the position of trying to figure it all out. That's why I think having a book like this uh, is helpful to give to a person when you don't know what to say, or you don't know how to respond to them. That's a good thought. Like, you're not, you're not, when you put this book in, if you use that illustration, like in a backpack, you're not adding a burden to them because it's, it's not a testimony. So the person doesn't have to relive all my pain. That's not why I wrote it. I, um I I don't I I only want people to see the Lord in this. So it's not like you're relive, reliving pain again. It's like it's like a a book of hope. Um and even today, um uh, in the timing of this, I sent out a text of I got a I got some feedback from this book recently of uh, of of a sister in California who purchased a copy um and this happens to be a sister that was in this is amazing you never know how God's going to use this <laughs> this sister was in our first home bible study when I taught back in southern california they oh, were wow. part of our home group and and so she sent me a note back in december and I and she said I gave your book for christmas to my boss and in this case she he lost his daughter almost 10 years ago so back in 2010 mm. and and since 2010 he's been spiraling downward uh, he told me today, she wrote, that he started your book and it's hitting him really hard. I'm praying he turns back to Jesus. Fast forward to yesterday, I got an updated email, March 2021. Hey, Ed, just wanted to give you a little update and tell you that my boss bought eight more of your books. He wanted to give them to his family because it's, been, it's truly helped him to refocus, keep praying for him. And, and so the, the, what, what's important for us to realize is that we can be a help and we can also be a herd. And I met both sides. I met, I met people that hurt me on purpose. I met people that hurt me and didn't mean to. Uh, I help, I met people that helped me on purpose, and I also met people that helped me and they didn't mean to. So, so you're going to face all of that in the. And plus, you're going to still have. You're still going to get sick. You're you're like, like physically, you're going to get headaches. You're you're still going to run out of gas. Uh, you're still going to have to make your car payment. Uh, you're still going to have to deal with the snow. You're still going to have to. To deal with your kids and change diapers, like life continues around us, and if we're in the position to help someone, let's do our best to do that and not be a burden to them. Uh, but even so, let me just say this, because you can tie back another truth from the book. You remember when Hannah was desperate, she did what we would tell her to do, go to church. She went to the temple, but go to church. Uh, she went to the, ta- you know, to the place of worship. Go to the place of worship. That's where you'll find help. Well, when she was there in desperate prayer, the priest accused her of being drunk. He was no help at all. Right. Uh, she, he, he, gave, he He was not abiding and all he had. As a matter of fact, the judgment of God was going to come on his house not too long from there. Like It was not going to be good. Not going to be good. But even though Hannah came to the house of God and didn't receive the kind of care that you would expect from a man of God, God was still faithful, and that's the important truth on every page. Man will fail you, pastors will fail you, friends will fail you. And of course, we don't want that, but that happens. But God will never fail you. He will take care of you. Um, I mean, you, Joseph, his own brothers turn on him. Hannah meets the priest that turns; it d- doesn't help her. Accuses her of being drunk, and her de- all she was doing was praying. And and how careful we need to be uh, to. Help people along the way. Even if we don't know how to help, just your presence. Sometimes just being there and being present and being available is enough for a person. You don't have to say anything.
1: Like just coming and putting an arm and, can I pray for you? Yeah. And just praying.
0: Or with technology, you have text messages, hey, just pray for you today. Yeah. Um, you can leave a voicemail. You. There's so many tools that we can use now that to not intrude in someone's life, but be available in someone's life.
1: Well, I want to um, give time to any of our listeners that maybe you're listening and and you're in a um, trial or difficulty, and you just would like to call and receive encouragement or prayer. You can text Pastor Ed or give us a call here at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's our text line. You can also call us at three zero three.
0: I'm looking at page 100 here. The title is Faithful in the Waiting. Uh, Long periods of suffering are difficult to endure, especially when there's no end in sight. Uh, I was thinking, I learned something. It's not like I didn't know this, but I learned it in practicality, Cassandra, that most of the time we condition, I wouldn't say we've been conditioned, but we condition ourselves to think, Okay, when it comes to trials, I've got here's the beginning of a trial. I have a very short middle and a quick ending. And trials, especially early on as a new believer, get resolved pretty quickly. Uh, We get somebody mad at us on the highway, and then and then the rest of the day goes on. Or we we get in trouble at work, uh, but then we move on. Uh, We have an argument with someone, then we resolve it. Um, But eventually, um, and maybe you're in this place here, eventually. Uh, you're going to face a trial that has a beginning, a very definite beginning, and a long middle with no end in sight. Uh. Uh, and although we do have an end in sight when we uh, wake up in the presence of Jesus, there there's no end in sight. And I think in some respects, the reality is is that a lot of trials feel that way. And in these times of waiting, is when depression. Doubt and discouragement start to take root in your heart, and even if you're even if you're in church regularly, I mean, I think of what this last year has brought with COVID: isolating people, putting them behind a face covering, keeping them at home, instilling not rational fear because there is good fear, right? Concern if you're a high risk. Uh, in the beginning, we didn't know what this was. COVID has taken lives. There is real fear. We've seen fear ratchet up to irrational fear, um, even, so much so that there's not even a. Uh, it's stolen away even believers' ability to trust God with their own life. They think staying home is a better choice than being open to the Holy Spirit. Let's just say the Holy Spirit says, leave your house. Just say the Holy Spirit says, go shopping. Just say the Holy Spirit says, go meet your neighbor. No, 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 COVID, no, I'm, I'm not leaving the house. There's, and and not, not just episodes of that, but the, a real paralyzing fear.
1: And isolation.
0: and isola- Combined with isolation, you right. think, if you're in the midst of a long trial already, this is where depression, doubt, and discouragement, and like the nation of Israel, uh, like the Israelites, we can wonder, where is God in our suffering? We wonder, how much longer can we endure? Um, and maybe like you, I, I wrote, you have received well-intentioned and yet painful encouragement like this, quote, Don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, what a <laughs> joke. That's not true. God gives you more than you can handle all the time. That's life. Like Now, it's a misapplied verse, of course. It's the verse that says, No temptation is overtaking you, except such as common a man with every temptations God may a way of escape. Like that's That's been somehow reinterpreted like God will never give you more than you can handle. But life is more than we can handle. Um, God will allow things. Sin does create things that are more than we can handle. But the the reality is is that if we place the if we place the emphasis upon what we can handle, we will be discouraged, depressed, and just bummed out because we can't handle anything. But if we place our emphasis upon the God who can handle everything, then we'll have our faith in the right place, and we'll be trusting God even in the long middle. Because you know this trial with uh, our son dying will not end until uh, we see Jesus face to face. There's elements of it that could end sooner than that, and of course we pray for that. But Eddie's not coming back. He can't come to me, but I can go to him, David said, of his own son, and now I can say that of my son. So it's a long middle. And the question is, well, what will I do in the middle? And really the... The same old thing that you do when you're not in a trial. Um, you do exactly what, what the early church did. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in prayer, and the breaking of bread, uh, whether you feel like it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you're happy or not. Um, I've been in the sanctuary dozens of times here uh, during this time where I, that, that is the last place I want to be. I don't want to be around people. I mean, imagine that, Mr. Pastor I don't want to be around people. I don't want to hear these songs. I don't want to sing these songs. Um, I don't know that I've ever really thought that I didn't want to teach a Bible study, but I'm sure I have had that thought. But not to be around people, not to want to answer questions, not to want to explain things, not to want to have to somehow defend myself of some, like, no, it'd just be better to be alone. But the Bible says that it's foolish to isolate ourselves. And I'm not even talking COVID now, but COVID has played um, a role in that. And trials will do the same thing that COVID did, isolate you, make you fearful, irrational, um, fleshly. That's a hard thing to say. That's probably a different program because we're coming up on the end here. But it's probably a whole different program altogether where um, when you're in the midst of trials, you can be a deep, deep sinner, And that's not good. Like you don't, you got to have somebody that can speak the truth to you and go, you know what? I know you're hurting right now. I know it's hard, but that doesn't give you permission to sin. Mm-hmm. This is, you're just going to, you're going to, sow. if you sow to the flesh, even in the midst of, uh, I think of, I think of somebody in the midst of a painful divorce who just wants to stick it to their ex and they just want to, they just want to yell, scream, whatever. And you think well, he hurt me so bad, so I'm going to hurt him. No, it, it's not going to get you where you want to go. Oh.
1: That's one of the pretty pictures in the book is just the picture of the, the reminders that are constant, that in the middle of that, in the middle of the heaviness and the suffering, that we have deep grace from the Lord and his love, and, and that tapestry is kind of woven throughout We've taken trips. We've we've taken teams and groups to Israel. And there's that time where when we're in Nazareth village and then you um there's a huge wheel that that turns oh, yeah. and there's olives that they put in there yeah. to give us that sound of the olive press. You'll and there's nothing it. like that. That's crushing. It.
0: Yeah. Oh. Well, we're coming up on the end of today's program. We had a special guest host today, Cassandra Austin. She happens to be uh, my assistant and we worked together to put this book in your hands um, and it's a labor of love you, you think things like this you know are very easy they're not they're very challenging the birth was the book was birthed out of grief um, but it's it's not a book about grief although if you're in deep grief it'll help you uh, it's not a book about all of our pain even though if you're in pain it'll help you it's a book about god through the true stories in the scriptures to help you get your eyes back on the Lord, to encourage him, to encourage you with his encouragement, to comfort you, to help you, to help your family and friends. And you can get a copy uh, here at the church, our bookstore is open their own services, of course. You can get it on our online bookstore calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. You can of course get it wherever books are sold. So however you choose to buy your books, you can get it there as well. Um, but Cassandra, I want to thank you uh, for all the work, I know you're already working on our next project. We were just talking about that, so uh, we do want to put more of the teachings and edit them into writing just just because we know that everyone uh, some people can relate uh, to things in writing more than verbal. Um, you've got sixty seconds. Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your obedience and your faithfulness to follow through and and put this from the pulpit into a book form because I have the privilege of reading all of the testimonies that come along the way. And I just we have to give glory to the Lord because it's helping and and it's making a difference in the lives of people. So get the book, read it, and I just send us an email. Let us know how God uses it to encourage your heart.
0: Yeah, you can you can email Cassandra directly, Cassandra at Calvary co.church <laughs> and and then the neat thing too just as a side note uh, with the book all the net proceeds of the book flow through the church to our missionaries they get an extra check at the end of the year with all the proceeds from our resurrection cafe coffee house our bookstore and this particular book has been put into our bookstore so the net proceeds that come through the bookstore go right out to uh, support. So it's a double blessing and it's a deb- double encouragement to know that uh, as you invest in helping someone invest in yourself, um, proceeds go out to our missionaries, of which I just read today, one of our missionaries just had surgery to have a, a mass taken out of his head. Oh wow. Um, and so they're like, yes, we want to encourage them and love on them. I, I don't know why I, th- I, I had forgotten about that, but the, the, the title of the book is, "God's Help for the Troubled Heart." Many years in the making. Uh, I do want to thank not only Cassandra, but I want to thank you, the listeners, for praying for my family, for me and my wife, for my kids. Uh, The trial's not over, so keep praying for us. Uh, And uh, thank you for your encouragement and your support uh, after the death of our son, but just in general. You know, the body of Christ is something special. Uh, We're a family. Like any family, we're not perfect. We've got our ups and downs, we've got our aunts and uncles and cousins, but God is faithful. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Serve with Pastor Ed Taylor, a leadership podcast from Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. If you have a leadership question you want to hear answered on a future Lead to Serve podcast, please email it to Pastor Ed at calvaryco.church. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe, rate, or review us on iTunes, and share us with your friends on social media. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on the Lead to Serve podcast.